This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Brought to you by Albate Resort, a renovation of style in the heart of Sharjah. Assalamu alaikum, hello Allah, and welcome to Life Feeds with me, Sally Musa. Now, do you know what's in the food that you're eating? We're demystifying food additives today and learning how to read food labels with nutritional therapy practitioner and functional medicine coach Bernadette Abram. Yes, she is back, and we're going to be decoding food labels, additives, and so much more. That's all coming up next on Life Feeds on Pulse. 95. This is Pulse 95. 95. Keeping it local. Keeping it local. All day, every day. Pulse 95. Heart of Shasha. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. 95. She is the author of the upcoming book, Unjunk, How to Raise Healthy Eaters in a Processed World. And she is back to tell us how to navigate the minefield that is food labels and food additives to make healthier choices every day. Bernadette Abram, welcome back to Life Beats. Thanks for having me back, Sally. This is where we left off last time, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I tell you what, you know, this is, it's almost a topic where you just kind of go, where do we even start? Because, um, you know, it's an area that so many of us really struggle with. You look at a food label and you you need like a, a science degree to figure out what on earth is going on in that jar of whatever it is that you're buying. Exactly. And it's, and it's, you know, it's sometimes difficult to distinguish between what you should be looking out for, what you should believe, what you shouldn't believe, um, and then deciphering a lot of the ingredients in there. You know, you, like you said, you know, you have to be a sci- food scientist to understand um, a lot of it nowadays. So, uh, you know, absolutely, we're going to jump into, uh, you know, I want to cover what specifically we need to be looking at, what we can ignore, completely just avoid. There's a lot of information on packages that we should. Uh, The first thing that I always tell people is ignore the front of the label because they can make marketing claims that can be complete and absolute lies. And so I'm going to jump into what some of these loopholes can be. Um, But first, you know, the things that we should look out for is the nutrition fact itself, where it actually lists the serving, the servings per container, um, you know, the amount of carbohydrates, proteins and fats, those take a look at them. Ignore the percent daily values. Those are something that, you know, are based on a person's calorie intake approximately of 2000 calories. Just ignore that mm. because it's an average and it doesn't really concern um the, 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 you I, know, I the never get the why they why they bother to put that because everyone's different and yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Like I don't want to know that. So that's why I say you know yeah. that information just ignore. Really concern yourself with you know the information on the nutrition facts label. Concern yourself with the actual ingredients that you're reading, um, specifically the top five ingredients because usually they're listed from most dominant to least dominant. Um, you know those are some of the things. And like I said, you want to ignore marketing claims because they do have some deceptive marketing. Like they might put cholesterol free on pasta or rice, <laughs> vegetable oils. And it's like- And you're like, it's never these, had cholesterol. Exactly. Cholesterol comes from products, animal products. It doesn't come from these foods. So sometimes they, they use these labels to make you make it seem healthier and make you want to buy it. I just look at some of those labels sometimes <laughs> and I think, do you really think we are that stupid? <laughs> Who is actually 
that stupid to, to, to you know, and, and then, and then, you know, okay, that's in the supermarket. And sometimes you see, uh, you, you know, things like, um, you know, it's lighter, like it'll be like chips. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, it just says lighter on the front, like 33%. And you're like, what do you mean lighter? They're yeah, so exactly. ambiguous about it. It's like, it's not less fat. Exactly. So well, this is actually one of the loopholes that I want to mention. And it's that they can report nutrients based on total volume. So not necessarily the total calories. Okay. So for example, if I take 100% pure fat, just a big clump of fat, okay, yes. and I add 100% water to this product, I could say it's 50% fat free. The content is still 100% fat. The calories are still 100% fat, right? Whoa. But because they can make claims based on the total volume, then that's where the deceptive labeling and the deceptive claims can come in. And you see this a lot on, for example, deli meats. If you go to the deli counter and you look at those big turkey balls, you know, yes. a lot of them will say 98% fat-free or 97% fat-free. Take a look at the ingredients. You'll always find liquid in there. You'll, you'll see it injected with water. And that's how they are able to make those fat-free claims because they are no longer looking at the turkey itself. They're looking at the turkey plus water. And it, it dilutes the volume of the product. And therefore, they can make those ridiculous claims that are actually false. Get out. Yeah, and they do that also with the butters. So you were mentioning the chips. Um, anything like the light butters, they'll do the same thing. They'll add some liquid to it to create a larger volume and be able to make that reduced uh, claim. You're kidding me. No. <laughs> They're just adding water to this stuff and going... Right, they'll add a liquid to it to increase the volume. So that's one loophole that people really need to be uh, concerned about. And, that, and that's, again, why I say ignore front claim front claims, claims that they make on the front of the product, examine it yourself, look at the nutrition facts. So specifically for that, you know, what you're going to want to look at is calories from fat. Sometimes they list it, sometimes they don't. If they don't list it, then you're going to look for the fat grams and you're going to multiply it by nine because one gram of fat gives you nine calories. So you would, for example, it's 10, 10 grams of fat in that product, you go times nine, and then it's 90 calories. And then you would look at the total calories and you would be able to make that percentage of how much fat comes from fat, how many calories actually come from fat. And you'd be able to see if that, if that marketing claim is, is, is real or false, you know? Wow. Um, yeah, so an, another thing that they do is that they manipulate serving sizes. And so this is something that I always tell people, first, first thing you wanna look at when you're looking at a nutrition facts label, first thing is you look at the serving size. Then you also look at the servings per container. And how they do this is, is they can make the serving size whatever they want. And there's a labeling law that states anything that's less than half a gram, anything, whether it's a protein, carb, fat, anything less than half a gram can be listed as zero. So they make a serving size less than half a gram and they can make everything zero on the label and make a big bold claim that it's fat free. Right. What? And they do this. You will find products on the shelves that have this. And the perfect example is the cooking spray. Right. Right. Cooking spray. If you look at it, I want everybody to go to the supermarket and check. <laughs> look at the nutrition facts. The serving size is 0.25 grams or something like that. 0.27 grams, for example. Because it's the a spray. Yeah. And that is equivalent to a third of a second spray. You, you can't even count 
a third of a second, right? Who can actually... It's so tiny. <laughs> no, that's just But not. that's the perfect example of how they manipulate the serving size. We're generally spraying for a good, I don't know, 60 seconds <laughs> around that pan to make sure it's well coated. Yeah, so like a third of a second is just absolutely ridiculous, but they do that. And then by doing that, they can make everything else beneath that, the fat, the carbs, the protein, zero, and make a big, bold claim on the front of the product for fat-free cooking. You know, it's when the can pure, is, it's pure when fat. When it's pure fat, it's an oil. Wow. <laughs> oil with all those other additives and chemicals. Mind blown. <clears throat> this is, um. oh, wow. There's a lot more to this food label thing than I thought we were going to talk about today. This is incredible. Bernadette, Ad- Bernadette <laughs> Abram is here. Can you see how upset I am over the, this fraud? <laughs> Bernadette Abram is here. We are demystifying all things food labels, all things additives. More to come right here on Life Beats on Pulse95. You're listening to Pulse95. Keeping it local all day, every day. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse95. I tell you what, some incredible facts that uh, we are learning here with Bernadette Abram. Um, all about food labels and how to read food labels correctly. Bernadette, it's interesting because, um, you know, you being from Canada, the US, um, North America, they have a different way of kind of displaying food labels than do, say, people or companies rather uh, in Australia yeah. and um, and the UK, for example. So the set out is a bit different, but, you know, it, it's important to, to kind of point out that the information is the same isn't it? it yeah the, the difference I think in the North American food labels is that they list that percent daily values yes which is what I said at the beginning just completely ignore it I think it's just useless information right that we don't need to be concerned about and so in the um, European uh, also the Australian label labels they don't they list it they have a column where they list usually things by by 100 grams yes and so you then have to kind of uh, be a little math whiz and convert the product. Uh, so if the product is 50 grams, you would you would, you know, uh, cut in half all of the numbers that are listed in that nutrition facts. Or in if terms it's 200 the, the, grams, the you would double size. it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you would just have to always look. That's why I say always look at the serving size. Number one doesn't make sense, right? Because we learned <laughs> they can be manipulated in their favor. So does the serving size? And what is a serving size? It's what you would normally. What would be a normal serving that someone mm. would have? Um, so does it reflect a normal serving size? And then based on the everything else under under un, listed under the serving size is you would have to compute that based on the number of grams in the product. Yeah. And what I find that useful, the 100 gram uh, section, because you can think about percentages mm-hmm. and then compare different products according to sugar, according to fat, according to carbs and all of those other things based on that and figuring out, okay, if you've got a choice of like five different cereals or whatever right. it is, then you can compare which one has more fiber or protein or... In the 100 grams. In the 100 grams. Right. Yeah, so. I guess that is... I never thought of it that way, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It makes a easier comparison when you're looking at products. Mm-mm-mm. Definitely. But let's get back to the deceptive claims because this <laughs> is a big one that... We don't realize, you know, we're being duped. You you have to you have to to um, repeat again. You know, the, the the whole idea when they say that something is ninety eight percent fat free, it is because. 
<laughs> They're you basing have to say it, it again on, because this is crazy. Uh, mind blown, right, Sally? Completely. It's because they base it on total volume mm. and not on total calories. And so if you take a full product that is 100% pure fat and you add 100% water to that product, the total volume of fat becomes 50%. So this is where um, <clears throat> you really have to be concerned with looking at ingredients and making that decision yourself as to, you know, ignore that claim that they're making on the front of the product and make that assumption yourself. Let's get into light low calorie, mm-hmm. reduced calorie, reduced fat, you know, all of these different claims that we see on products. Uh, how do we break all of that down? What do okay. they actually mean? So light means that the fat content has been re- reduced by 50% or at least one third of those found in the original product. Now, again, we know that that can be manipulated by adding volume. So you, they can do that with light butter. This is typically seen with things like the light butter spreads. It's still a 100% pure fat product. They may have decreased it slightly, but it's not um, the way you're thinking. And uh, reduce just means that they've reduced the calorie, they've reduced the fat, or they've reduced the sugar um, in the product by 25% uh, less calories of grams of fat of sugar from the original brand. So it does not imply, though, that the product is actually low in calories or low in fat. It's just that from the original product, they have reduced the content of X, Y, and Z by 25%. Mm. Then they can make that reduced claim. Whether it be reduced fat or reduced sugar, um, that's what that means. And then low calorie. Yeah, and so low calorie just means that the product has less than 40 calories per serving. And again, we have to look at the serving size. So that's all that that means. And they could be manipulating the serving size uh, to get it less than 40 calories, right? (laughs) Always, always look at your serving size. Exactly. And um, yeah, compare by the 100 grams as well. And and then same goes for, you know, sugar-free. Yes. A lot of people think that sugar-free means it absolutely has no sugar. That's not true. It has sugar alcohols. And sugar alcohols are things like, if you look at the ingredients, they usually finish with all. And a sugar alcohol is, you know, called a polyol. It is a natural form of sugar, um, but it's harder for a lot of people to break down. And so it can cause irritation on the uh, lining of the intestinal tract. And that's why a lot of people who consume sugar alcohols in excess um, can, you know, run to the bathroom. <laughs> so, okay, these are, when, when we're talking about the, these sugar alcohols, these are the the um, the artificial sweeteners no, that we see? or but they can be both. So they can make a fat-free claim. They can either be using these natural sugar alcohols like sorbitol, glycerol, malitol, xylitol, erythritol. You know, find the xylitol in gum usually, right? Um, so usually anything ending with an all is a natural sugar alcohol, but in excess can cause a GI discomfort in people. Mm. Um, and you also have the sugar substitutes, the artificial sweeteners, like the aspartame, acylfame K, sucralose, saccharin, which is what you find in your, your equal, your NutraSweet, your Splenda, right? Uh, your sweet and low, all of these artificial sweeteners. And these are the ones that I would say absolutely avoid. Um, at all costs. So when you see sugar-free on a label, look at what sugar they are using. Is it artificial or the sugar alcohol? We need to come back in uh, just a moment because uh, this really has started uh, my brain going in terms of (laughs) additives. You know, sometimes we're told by nutritionists, you know, if you have a sugar problem, choose that sugar-free option, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to wean yourself off. 
but I don't think that that's quite a good idea. We're going to find out why next with Bernadette Abram. Keep it here on Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. Is Pulse 95. Life beats. Life beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Oh my gosh! I tell you what, uh, this whole thing about food labels. I thought it was just going to be a really simple kind of topic <laughs> to tackle today, but clearly not. Bernadette Abram is here, and uh, we are now. We've just moved on to additives because we've been talking about sugar, sugar-free. What does it all mean? Bernadette, how many additives are there that are present in our food products at the moment? I would love for people to take a poll and take a guess, but it's 14,000 additives, and it's increasing. It's increasing. So, you know, that's a lot of additives to... Um, to have to understand. And, and that's why, you know, we were saying at the beginning, you have to be a food scientist to understand this. Well, yeah, you know what? There's 14,000 of them, <laughs> 14,000 of them that are allowed that have been categorized as GRAS, which stands for generally recognized as safe additives to be added into our foods in these tiny, minute quantities. But the problem is that some of these additives that have been approved, um, there's a conflict of interest because it's the manufacturers themselves that... Um, that uh, say whether or not they're generally recognized as safe. And, 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 and they tell the FDA right, this. Right. The and Food and Drug Administration doesn't yes, actually test it themselves. They don't have the ability to test every single food that's on the market, right? And so if something is generally recognized as safe um, in these tiny, minute quantities, then they can be put into these foods. The problem, however, is that nobody's done any testing. There's been no research uh, or very little research that I'm aware of on the cumulative effect of all of these little tiny minute quantity of additives from all the products that we eat throughout the day. You know, the cumulative effect is detrimental to health. I'm sure of it. We don't have any research to prove this, but common sense says so, you know. What, what, when we talk about additives, what does that mean? What kind of different categories of additives are there? You can have flavors. You can have emulsifiers, things that bind. So an emulsifier, for example, I like to explain it as um, when you have oil and vinegar, they separate. You need an emulsifier like mustard to make it mix together, to make it bind, Right. So you have flavors, you have emulsifiers, you have binders, you have gelling agents, um, you have preservatives. All of these are considered additives, right? Things to make it last longer, things to make it stick, things to make it give it a creamy texture, things to give it um, a different texture in your mouth. Um, Those are all the different types of additives that can be added. Um, that are generally recognized as safe, that can be added because they are put into these tiny, uh, minuscule amounts in our foods. I just, uh, you know, we we say tiny, minuscule amounts, but I know that a lot of us are not eating tiny, minuscule Mm -hmm. amounts of the foods that contain so many additives. And Mm -hmm. if you let a child loose in a candy store or, you know, anywhere that has, you know, packets of chips or whatever, they're not going to be eating and it's not Small just the amounts. one product, it's the many products that you consume in a day. Mm. And that's why we really push, you know, you don't have to become a food scientist because real food doesn't come with labels. Real food doesn't come with additives. And so if the majority of your diet is whole, natural, naturally produced foods from Mother Nature, um, then you don't need to really worry. It doesn't become so worrisome. Um, But this is why, you know, of the ingredients that we should be looking out for, I have probably, you know, my top four, top five 
that uh, we should be watching out for. The first one is um, hydrogenated oils. So these can also be listed as trans fats. And this is, it's been known that it causes heart disease. Yep. You know, it's, it's, they're now trying to pull it off of shelves out of all products uh, because it, it is now recognized in the medical community that it is, it is linked to cardiovascular disease. And the reason why they hydrogenate, this happened, actually the history of this is it happened in World War II when they needed to preserve foods for a long period of time to be able to send it to soldiers, you know, over overseas. And so they needed to create a product that would last and that's when they hydro they started hydrogenating products unfortunately we don't have that need anymore but they're still around and so this is something that definitely even though it says trans fat free on the front of the product as you know it can be false labeling uh, always flip it around look at the ingredients and look out for the word hydrogenated it can be in peanut butter it can be in your packaged nuts it can be in things that you consider healthy so really do, do, do your due diligence and read your ingredients and avoid hydrogenated oils. Um, the other one that I would mention is high fructose corn syrup, um, or can also be listed as corn sugar or corn syrup, just simply. And this is a man-made sugar. It's about 200 times sweeter than normal white table sugar. And again, it's completely artificial. It's man-made. It's made out of genetically modified corn and which is, you know, high, highly sprayed pesticide crop. And they've created this so that they can profit more because they don't need to add as much sugar to a product by adding in high fructose corn syrup because they can sweeten the product with you by using just a lot less um, sweetener. And so this is what gave way to the whole supersizing concept when it came to beverages, right? That's why you could go to the movies and you can buy, you know, a regular size soda and then for a little bit more, not much more, you get the jumbo size, right? For a bucket a that fraction. you pretty much bathe in. Yeah, exactly. Right. For a fraction more, you get the jumbo size. And the reason why they could do that is because they are saving on ingredients such as high fructose corn syrup because it becomes really, really cheap because these foods are subsidized. Corn is a heavily subsidized crop government subsidized crop. So it becomes a very, very cheap ingredient. And that's why it is used in almost everything. All foods, you're going to find um, some genetically modified corn. And so that brings me to the third ingredient that I would say watch out for, uh, which is genetic modification and GMOs. So it stands for genetically modified organism. And GMOs are not natural. They are something that are created in a lab. And basically what they're doing is they're taking the genes out of one species and injecting it into a completely different species from different kingdoms, biological kingdoms. So it's, for example, I could take the DNA from a strawberry and from a fish and mix them together so that the, the strawberry, you know, taken from this Arctic fish can resist frost and can resist cold temperatures. So they're creating different traits in foods. And we have genetically modified um, foods, you know, in the market today. Sounds like Frankensteining food. Yeah, like apples that don't turn brown, for example. I mean, why do we need that? <laughs> because right? it's good for industry. Because, you know, they can sell us more apples that are, yeah. can sit there and never turn brown. Yeah. Now, how to avoid that, right, um, is obviously looking at labels. And a very simple tip for produce is to make sure that 
the PLU code. So you know you always have those little stickers, those right. price lookup codes on We, we just think fruits they're and useless vegetables. stickers, but they're actually, <laughs> yeah. they have a purpose. <laughs> they do. And so basically, if you look at the first digit on that PLU code, if it's a 3, 4, or a 5, that means it's a, it's a uh, conventional raised produce, right? Con- conventionally farmed produce, so it's pesticide um, ridden. If it has a number 9, it's an organic product. And if it starts with a number eight, then that's genetically modified. And so that's one way that you can know if your fruits and vegetables are genetically modified. Wow. Yeah. That is, that is insane. That is crazy. Um, that's really important to know. Have they done any tests? Because, you know, a lot of people will say, well, you know, the industry will say, um, you know, but we are producing better food for you, you know, so that it doesn't go off. It doesn't. There are advantages to this, but... Has anybody actually tested what it actually yeah. does to our bodies? Yeah, absolutely. And I would I would highly encourage the book called um, Genetic Roulette. Um, and it just shows the effects that, you know, um, genetically modified foods have on health. And they've seen farmers, for example, who are growing crops of genetic, genetically modified. Uh, the, the top five crops are corn, soy, cotton, canola. And so... Even sugar beets are genetically modified. So anything or of any of these crops or any of their derivatives, um, if they're not certified organic, will be listed as will, will most likely be genetically modified. And these farmers, they find are, are really ill, are developing illnesses, respiratory illnesses, asthma, allergies, um, certain types of cancers. So there is a lot of um, literature out there showing the links mm. between these foods and health. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, common sense needs to prevail. They are not natural. They have not been around for a very long time, just in the past 30, 40, 50 years that this, this has existed. And so whether one day we are genetically going to adapt to genetically modified foods, probably, maybe, perhaps. But for now, um, it is causing a lot of health problems. And it's definitely something that we would want to be avoiding. And that's where the whole organic industry um, can help with preventing genetic modification mm-hmm. because by definition if something is certified organic um, then it won't have any genetically modified ingredients we're going to come back in just a moment with you bernadette and find out the other top foods that are on your list mm-hmm. to avoid really important and to, to ask you know we're we're moving into the organic uh, discussion now how do you know that a food is really organic? How do you believe the labels mm-hmm. uh, as we're talking about today? More to come on Life Beats on Pulse 95. Pulse 95. You're listening to Pulse 95. It's Pulse 95. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. I tell you what, this is a show to listen back to when you are grocery shopping. The next time you're grocery shopping, have your earphones in and, you know, have have this, you know, on your phone and, and play it as you walk through the supermarket because this is crazy stuff. We are talking food labels, food additives with nutritional therapy practitioner and functional medicine coach Bernadette Abram. And you were just going through uh, your top five foods or additives rather 
to avoid Mm -hmm. when you are looking at your food labels. These are so important. Let's just uh, recap the the top three hydrogenated oils. Yep, that's number one, or it's listed as trans fats. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number two I talked about was high fructose corn syrup, that man-made um, sugar that's genetically modified. And then we touched on GMOs. So yes. specifically the top five crops are corn, soy, beets. They use that for sugar, uh, canola and cotton. MSG is number four. For those who don't know what monosodium glutamate is, <laughs> can you enlighten us? I know what it is and I know the full name of it because back in Australia, at least 20 years ago, they said enough is enough. We have to cut this out. But for here in this region they've removed it they've removed it and you have to it's not in foods anymore oh that's amazing but in this region it's not the same thing so so tell us why that's so dangerous so msg like you said monosodium glutamate is actually a flavor enhancer so it uh, creates a flavor um, experience that is not typically co- experienced in anywhere in nature. And that's why it's very difficult to replicate, for example, certain foods and tastes uh, that you would experience in restaurants using MSG than it is doing it at home. And that's why burgers outside don't necessarily taste the same as your burgers inside. Mm. It's because of these flavor enhancers that are used. And these flavor enhancers can um, heighten the taste of sweet, sour, bitter. They create even a a, um, new unique flavor called unami. And uh, this is something, again, that it doesn't exist in nature. And it it, it's quite addictive. Nobody and can actually even define umami, you know, flavor because it's like you said. Yeah, it's exactly. just that. It's thing. just it's it, right, and it's, but it's something that's very addictive that we want that tastes good, and so, um, you know, there are a lot of synonymous names for MSG as well that you need to uh, beware of. It can also be um, hydrolyzed yeast or hydrolyzed soy, anything that starts with the word hydrolyzed. Um, very popular natural or artificial. You know, natural flavor, you'll see that on a lot of foods. That can be synonymous for MSG. Mm-hmm. So it's not just, it won't just be listed monosodium glutamate. Yeah. Um, but you have to look out for those words. Natural or artificial flavors are also can be, you know, MSG. And, you know, it's an excitotoxin. means it stimulates nerve cells to the point of cellular death. And it can, in some people who are MSG sensitive, they'll feel it right away. They'll get headaches. Um it's a neurotoxin, right? They'll get migraines, they'll get headaches. It stimulates appetite. So this is oftentimes why I like to, you know, the best example is Chinese food. I think um, I think maybe everybody's experienced this at some point. You go, you eat, and then an hour later you're hungry again, right? Has that ever happened yeah, to you? Absolutely. So 100%. That's, that's a typical symptom, side effect of MSG. It's a, it's a, it also stimulates the appetite and can lead to weight gain, obviously, because of that fact. They actually sell... I've seen it in they, they do. They sell sachets yep. of MSG, just pure MSG. Yep, yep, absolutely. And it's it's a neurotoxin and it can uh, it can cross the blood-brain barrier. And so it can cause inflammation in the brain. And it's definitely something that we want to be avoiding. I mean, great job for Australia for removing this. Um, I, I remember it was in the news. There were cases of people who, like you said, MSG sensitive. They reacted to it. It, it caused death in, in some instances. Yeah. And they just t- took a stand and said, no, we're yep. not having this stuff anymore. Uh, let's move on to number five, artificial colors and sweeteners. Of course. Yeah, exactly. And so this is, uh, you know, it, it, it um, can either have a name or it can be a number. 
So like Allura Red or Sunset Yellow or, right, it might have a name or it might be. <laughs> it sounds like Crayola crayons. <laughs> it's not, it doesn't sound like food. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so it can also be the ones that you want to be avoiding specifically really for children as well is uh, number four, number five, number six. These are uh, petroleum derived chemicals, synthetic chemicals that are just really toxic. They've been shown in children to cause hypersensitivity, um, you know, like ADD, ADHD disorders, um, respiratory conditions. It can also cause asthma, um, allergies. And also it's been found in, in animal studies to, you know, form certain tumors and cancers. So you want to be avoiding these artificial colors and synthetic ingredients, especially with children. So, so, so I wasn't too far off when I said Crayola. Yeah, no, not at all. Derived. Not at all. We were talking in the break, right, about number five and how you know my my hero really her you know she's uh, such a role model. Um, she is single handedly changing the food industry. She, her name is Vani Hari, the food babe, she's known as, um, where she's going to ma- manufacturers and telling them, you know, look, overseas they're using paprika to color, you know, Kraft mac and cheese. Why are you using color number five in, in the U.S. and, you know, remove this? And she's actually getting companies to change. So consumer consumers have power because we have purchasing power and manufacturers will modify and change their food products based on consumer demand and based on the trends. And and we have to realize here in in the UAE we get everything imported from everywhere from yes. everywhere and I just it kind of just dawned on me you know when you're talking about the the way that different foods are you know there are different additives depending on where the food comes from mm-hmm. it pays to check diff- the same brand yeah. coming from different places yeah exactly they will be different same same with the fast food chains. I've found. So fast food chains in North America aren't mm. the same as fast food chains in Europe, for example. They, uh, because of their laws and regulations of what ingredients they allow or what ingredients they don't allow. So th- let's talk about organic. You know, mm-hmm. you've touched on the importance of, of organic. How do we actually know that something is really organic when we buy it? Well, first of all, what is, do you, do you want me to define what organic yes, is for everyone? Yes. So organic, really, the definition of it means it's free of pesticides, it's mm. free of chemicals, synthetic fertilizers, antibiotics, and it's free of genetically modified ingredients. Okay, so it's the way food should be grown without labels, naturally, right? All foods should be labeled organic. Actually, we should be labeling conventional foods and paying to certify those as conventional because those are full of pesticides and herbicides and agrochemicals and not label organic food because that's the way food really should be. It shouldn't have to be certified organic, right? It's all backwards today. But definitely from a nutritional perspective, um, Organic food is healthier because it doesn't have any of those chemicals in them. Mm. So you're removing all of that factor. It's, it's it's the more natural product. Now, how can you tell if it is or it isn't? Again, this is where there's a lack of trust in labeling because it differs from country to country because you don't have, not all countries have government regulated organic standards. And in countries without organic laws, organic certification is handled by certifying agencies. And so these bodies can be nonprofit organizations or private companies acting on behalf of government. So as a consumer, try to find products that come from countries that have stricter um, regulations at a governmental level, like the, for example, from North America, um, Canada, 
you'll have the it's called Organic Canada. The, mm-hmm. In the U.S., it's USDA, and we do have products here that have this. Here locally, it's the ESMA, E-S-M-A certification. Um, in Europe, you have the BIO. We have a lot of products here that have the BIO certification. So these larger countries that have regulations at a higher um, regulated level, federal level, you know, they set stricter standards. And so you can somewhat trust these more than a label that will just say organic but doesn't have those uh, certified labels on them. Because a lot of companies I've found, you'll find products in, a, in an organic section and it's not. Right. So automatically go to that section and you think, oh, okay, this product is organic. And it might even have it in the name. It'll, it'll be called Organa something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. But it doesn't have an actual certifying body label on it. And so that's what you also have to watch out for. Make sure that it does have one of those um, certification labels from one of those countries um, on the product to make sure that it actually is organic. Oh my gosh, Bernadette, we could just keep going and going. I know, there's a lot to talk about. This is incredible. <laughs> but we cannot we cannot wait to have you back again. There's a lot still to talk about, but that was phenomenal. Um, Bernadette Abram, thank you so much. That was amazing. Thanks, Sally. Um, we are going to come back in just a moment. We're going to be uh, talking Oprah's comeback to TV, but it's not what you think. More to come on Life Beats on Pulse95. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10 a.m.